your feet. Clap your hands. I'm grateful for an incredible staff. I asked one of my sons in the faith to preach today for Father's Day. Come on, let's welcome Pastor Jay as he comes. We'll be receiving our offering at the end of service, but let's give the Lord a great big praise offering for the gift of God. In Jay Pipe, Dr. Jay Pipe. I got this. Thank you. I love you. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, hey, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to you. You can be seated. How many of you are grateful for our pastor and his wife, who's always looking spry and hip? Pastor Kathy's got her colors going on the front row. I um, really uh, great, great day. Amen. I've already been ministered to. And a great day in the house of the Lord. Bishop, thank you for the honor to speak today and to teach. I'm just going to take a few minutes and share a few things uh, that the Lord uh, put on my heart. We're in the middle of this live Pentecost idea, and it's Father's Day. So we've already said that, uh, but happy Father's Day. I was thinking about that as Bishop asked me to get ready uh, this week. And you know, at its best... Preaching is and should be uh, not just a, a univocal sound. When someone stands up to preach, you shouldn't just hear one voice. You should hear a symphony of voices. People that sing know that the, the beauty of, of music is, is more so when it's symphonic and it's harmonic, right? When we get into harmony and so... I thought about just the honor of preaching on Father's Day. And today I, I want you to know that you won't just be hearing the voice of myself or one preacher, but you'll be hearing the voice of multiple preachers. You'll be hearing multiple voices today. And um, I think that's how it should be. I think that the Bible talks to us about the sound of Jubilee uh, being a sound of blended trumpets. And so today I hope that as I open my mouth, uh, you'll hear not only my wisdom, but the wisdom that's been imparted to me uh, over the years. And uh, there's a couple of really important people in the audience today um, that you'll hear through me today as I speak and share. And I just want to take just a moment. And uh, my father turned 83 this year. And um, every time I open my mouth, his voice can be heard. My daughter and my wife are telling me that I even laugh like my dad now, and they're not sure that that's a good thing in terms of uh, every dimension of that. But in addition to my, the gift of my father, the Lord brought Bishop Tony Miller into my life when I was in college, and I was finding my preaching voice. And um, every time I preach and teach, people uh, receive the rich deposits that he's made in my life for now it's over 20 years. I was in college when I was like 12. So that's how, you know, I know you don't think I'm old enough to be 20 years out of college, but I just want, I think you'll join me in saying that. I just want to say happy Father's Day to my dad. I love you, dad. And let's all just say happy Father's Day to Bishop this morning. Dad, we love you. Happy Father's Day to the father of this house. We love you, Bishop. We're grateful for your voice. Amen. 
It's too bad. Amen. It's too bad there's not a happy Father's Day song. Maybe somebody could write one of those. I don't feel anointed to lead in that. So, Last week we heard about Pentecost from our sons and our daughters. How many of you enjoyed that last week? You have to hear that five on five from those young voices in our house and uh, they did a fantastic job. So we're, we're blessed. And, uh, this week, I want to talk to you about the gift of spirit-formed fathers. The gift of spirit-formed fathers. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 39, for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off or far away. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. The promises for you. So he's talking to someone. The promises for you. How many of you know when you read you in the Bible, it's talking about you? It's not talking about your neighbor. It's talking about you. The promise isn't for Bishop. It's not for your favorite preacher. It's for you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's for you. But it's not just for you. It's for your children. And so the promise is speaking to fathers and it's speaking to children. And now when we talk about fathers on Father's Day, we, we need to get a kingdom perspective and realize that when we say the word fathers, we're not being gender specific. And so I'm going to talk about the role of spirit-formed fathers in a community that learns how to live Pentecost. But when I talk about that, I'm talking about the, the spirit-formed, mature, seasoned leaders who are male and female and how God uses them to help us as a community to live Pentecost. But just for shorthand sake on Father's Day, I'm calling it spirit formed fathers. Did you get, you got that? So last week we heard from some voices that told us many things. One of the things that uh, was mentioned is that Pentecost is a heritage. Pentecost is something that reverberates throughout the generations. It's passed down from generation uh, to generation. And it's something that has to be learned how to live into in each generation. How many of you know that this one thing for you to comprehend truth, understand truth, hear truth, but it's another thing for you to bring that truth into the present tense of your life. And what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit brings truth into the present tense of our life. You see, you, you can believe a lot of things, but if you don't believe that they're true now, if you don't believe that they're real now, then you're never going to experience the power of them because you can't experience the power of a truth tomorrow and the devil will deceive you into believing that your time to experience the power of a truth is another day. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit's always doing is making truth present tense. He's bringing the reality of that truth into the moment that I'm currently in. And it's a great step of growth for us to begin to understand that what God did, he is still doing. And so the, the people who wrote scripture for us had a different way of thinking about history and stories. And they didn't tell stories just for history's sake. They didn't tell stories just simply so that 
their children could know that there was a God who split a Red Sea and opened it up and led us through it and defeated our enemies and brought us out of captivity and into freedom. They didn't tell that story so that the students could get a tablet out and write the date down and learn who was the leader. His name was Moses. This is the date that it happened on. That wasn't the purpose of the story. The purpose of the story was to let them know that that happened and the God who did it is in our present tense. <laughs> so that what we have is not a historical story, we have a living story. We have a community of people who tie themselves to the story of God's faithfulness, but it's not a dead story, it's a living story. The God who did it will do it again. They said, build these stones right here. And when your children ask you, what are those stones for? They didn't say to their children, those stones were just to let us know that one day a long time ago, God did an amazing miracle. No, no, no. The stones were there to let the children know the same God who split the Red Sea. Just like Bishop said, you don't fight one battle and then live in victory land. But what you need to understand is that every time time the enemy rears his head in my life there's a God who's listening for my cry and there's a God who's watching over my life and there's a God who's still able to split a Red Sea and bring me out the story of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 is not a historical story it's a living story it's not a story for the church to say we know that happened. It's a story for the church to continually be asking ourselves, how do we live into that story today? So in 2020, when times are going bonkers and it's tumultuous and confusing, the question for the church is not anything other than how do we live in to being a spirit-filled community who gets full to overflowing with the Spirit of God. We've got to learn how to do that in the present tense. How many of you are grateful you don't have a past tense God? You don't even have a future tense God. When God got ready to tell Moses what his name was in Exodus chapter 3, he didn't say, I was that I was. And he didn't even say, I will be that I will be. He said, I am that I am. I'm a present tense God. How do I find you, God? You find me right now. Do I look for you tomorrow? No, you find me right here. I'm a present tense God. I am that I am. Stop looking for me tomorrow. Stop looking for me to split an eastern sky one day, someday, far away. Start looking for me in the present tense, in the moment that you're in. Open your eyes and find me where you are. This is the present tense God of Scripture. And so we learn to live into that. We understand that uh, God says, I am a father to the fatherless. I set the solitary in families. One of the things we recognize at the Gate Church is that when we celebrate Father's Day, what that means for some people is a painful memory. How many of you know every time you celebrate, it doesn't mean it's cause for everybody else to celebrate because everybody doesn't have your story. And so part of what we have to do is we have to learn how to recognize that whatever we celebrate, it is broken, but we're ultimately celebrating a perfect uh, uh, father. 
If we celebrate mothers, we know that, that mothers are broken in some ways. If we celebrate fathers, we know that fathers are broken in some way. If we celebrate men, we know that men are broken. If we celebrate women, we know that what are, but what are they? They are simply uh, broken, but being healed image bearers of a God who is perfect. That means that any time a broken image bearer lets me down, I just have to remember all they are is the mirror of something that's a whole lot better than they are. <laughs> Y'all didn't get that. All they are is the mirror of something that's much more faithful than they are. So if you let me down, I don't have to get stuck in my disappointment about your inadequacy in my life. I just have to remind my Myself. She's a mirror. She's being put back together. She may not be everything she's supposed to be, but I do know there is a Father in heaven. Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father who is in heaven. How many of you know there's no brokenness in your heavenly Father? How many of you know he'll never let you down? How many of you know he'll, he'll never, ever, ever not be there for you? How many of you know it doesn't matter how many times you get disappointed, your heavenly Father will be faithful. And so uh, we've got to live into this. And so in order to be able uh, to do that, I want to draw your attention to one more scripture and just share a, a, a couple of brief thoughts with you. 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 12. John writes to the people that he's pastoring and he says in verse number 13, he says, I write to you fathers, for you've known him who is from the beginning. I write to you fathers, for you've known him. This is um, an illustration of uh, what I believe seasoned, mature, spirit-formed fathers look like. They are people who have known him who is from the beginning. Now, that phrase is sort of mysterious and we don't really fully understand what it means, but let's just keep it simple. Can we just keep it simple? How many of you know if it says they've known him who is from the beginning, then how many of you know they've been around for a little while? They're, they're not just getting started. I, I want to talk to the church a little while this morning. And so I want to say that, you know, it's fantastic that we have new uh, voices and new leaders and God's always raising people up. Amen. Can I talk to the young people? And God's raising new voices up all the time in the church. And you've got to pay attention to the voices that are forming and shaping you. And look, I'm really excited and I'm really happy for you that your favorite preacher on Instagram hangs out with NBA players and got your favorite pop singer saved. But you're going to need a voice in your life that's been around longer than 10 years at certain seasons of your life. So you might have some cool people who inspire you, but you need to find some seasoned people who will form you and shape you. I'm trying to preach this morning. And so if all we do is get enamored with Johnny-come-latelys who have just popped up on the scene and we never allow ourselves to be formed with people who have been walking with God from the beginning. I'm talking about people who have 
decades with God, who's seen seasons come and seasons go, who's seen things go well and things go poorly, but they're still sticking around. I'm talking about people who have been through some things, who've got some battle wounds and some battle scars. I'm glad you got a gift to sing, and I'm glad you got a gift to preach, but before you shape my life, I want to know, where have you been wounded? Do you have any scars? Paul said, I'll tell you what gives me an opportunity to speak into your life. I bear in my body the marks of Christ. I've been through a thing or two. And I'm concerned that we have uh, an issue in our society that we have a lack of wise fathers speaking into our society. I want to say to our society that we're lacking wise fathers. I want to say to the church that we're lacking wise fathers. What, I, what I've come to realize is that we have a lot of intelligent leaders. We just don't have wise fathers. Sometimes we have unintelligent leaders, but whether they're intelligent or unintelligent, they're just leaders. And how many of you know that leaders won't be everything that you need? Because an intelligent leader can offer a solution, but only a wise father or a wise mother can bring healing. Am I helping anybody? And so if all you do is find intelligent leaders, you'll find people figuring out all sorts of solutions for things, but you'll never get somebody when their voice speaks. You know what I appreciate about our bishop is that when his voice speaks, it's different than every other voice. When you hear something coming out of a wise father, it may not even be that the content is different. It's just coming from a different place within them. It's coming from a place of knowledge, of reality, that I don't know this because I read it in a book somewhere. I know this because I walked it out in my life. I don't know this because I heard some famous preacher say it one time. I know it because in 1982, I tried it out and it worked for me. Am I helping anybody? So we need some wise fathers. And I'm, I'm asking the question, where are the wise mothers? Where are the wise fathers in the church? Where are the voices who have an ability to speak healing into our situation and not just create more noise? I'm, uh, so number one, let me just give you, I'll, I'll probably just give you two points we're going to be short on time this morning, but it's okay. I want to... Number one, the gift of spirit-formed fathers is that they give us the power of perspective. They give us the power of perspective. It says that they have walked with him who is from the beginning. Now, the thing about walking with him who is from the beginning is that you always become like the people you walk with. Yeah, y'all didn't catch that. So, so you become like the people that you walk with. The Bible says there was a man named Enoch who walked with God. And he walked with God so much that Enoch was not. They couldn't find him. They couldn't see him. Do you know why they couldn't see Enoch anymore? Because he walked with God so much he became like God. You can't see God. They said, I can't see Enoch. Why can't I see Enoch anymore? Because Enoch's like God. He walked with God. Do you want to know who you're going to become like? Look at who you're walking with. If you don't like the people you're walking with, then you ought to quit walking with them because you're going to become like them. But if you start walking with God, you become more and more like God. This is interesting because the God of Christianity is different than every other God in certain respects. 
And so fathers are people who have walked with God. Watch this. Catch this. Don't miss this. Fathers are people who have walked with God long enough to realize, watch this, that things don't always go like I hoped they'd go. Things don't always go like I planned that they would go. So if you talk to somebody who's really been through a lot, they'll explain to you that they've been through seasons where things didn't go as I planned that they would go. And you know what's kind of interesting to me about that is that if we read the Old Testament with a certain perspective, we'll realize that we have a God who can very much identify with that feeling. Now, let me stretch you a little bit here, and let's just read the Old Testament real quick and just see what that experience was like for God. God starts a family in a garden. He says, why don't y'all get married? Here's Eve, here's Adam. Y'all be fruitful and multiply. This is going to be a wonderful thing. God had visions and dreams and hopes and plans. Y'all be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth. Just keep being my, like me. Everything's going to be good. Creation's good. And we don't get out of chapter 3 before things start going crazy. God says, what are y'all doing over there? Then God says, what's this over here? You're talking to a snake. Now they have a child. Now they have two children. One child's killing the other child. We're only four chapters. In. How many of you know things aren't going like God hoped? You keep going. You keep going. And then, then, you know, just keep on reading through Genesis. A couple more chapters. Now God's got, uh, you know, God's got people going crazy on him in chapter 6. He's like, I wish I hadn't have done this thing. I would scrap this whole project. So God gets him a new family. And he puts them in a boat. And he washes everybody else away. Cleans the planet off. Let's start over from scratch. This isn't going how I planned. Am I doing okay? Now, God's new family is back in a garden, planting a vineyard, naked again. God's like, that's not how I planned that. We got a naked guy in a garden, just like we had a naked guy in the first garden. God's like, what are you doing? He's drunk. His sons are having to take care of him. God's like, this isn't how I planned this. This is not how, how many of you know that while God is sovereign and all-powerful, he executes his purposes in a participatory way. That means that God's got a purpose for Jeff's life. But God's purpose for Jeff's life is dependent on Jeff's participation in God's purposes. I'm trying to preach this morning. And so God, the problem wasn't on God's end. The problem was on his participators' end. So he's constantly, but here's what is unique about the God of the Bible. Every time... Things didn't go God's way. You know, God could do, God's free. He can do whatever he wants. How many of you know that God didn't abandon the project? How many of you know that God didn't abort the plan? How many of you know that God didn't cancel his purposes? Every time that things started not going how God wanted them to go, he only had one response. He doubled down and said, let me get a little deeper into this situation. I want to tell you this morning that you've got a God who's depending on your participation. But if ever things don't start going how God wants them to go, his only response is to deepen himself. One of the ways that the Bible describes that is by saying that he descended. 
Yeah, that makes, that makes the Christian God different. You see, every God ascends. And we do talk about the ascension of Jesus Christ. But it's not the ascending aspect of our God that makes us unique and different. Every God who's ever been conceptualized by anybody ascended. He ended up on top. If you want to worship Zeus, Zeus will tell you, I ascended. If you want to worship Apollo, Apollo will tell you, I ascended. But the God revealed in Jesus is unique. Not because he just ascended, but because he descended. I don't know about you, but I don't know where I'd be if it hadn't been for a God who was willing to descend. A God who was willing to say, he just blew it, but I'm going to go deeper into his life. I'm going to go further into this situation. And so God keeps descending into our lives. And as seasoned, spirit-formed fathers, watch this, keep walking with God they keep emulating God's behavior. <laughs> so that's a beautiful thing. If you ever find a spirit-formed father in your life and you, and you find yourself in a mess of chaos, then all of a sudden what you'll find is that if you've got a spirit-formed father, he won't abandon you when you make mistakes. He'll dive deeper into your life when you make mistakes. And so we need spirit-formed fathers and mothers who are constantly emulating the behavior of God to descend into our lives. How many of you know that we could bring a greater dimension of healing if we embodied the practices of a God who's willing to descend? You know, you can't, you can't heal pain that you're not willing to enter into. I was meditating this morning, I mean, I was meditating all week, and, and the Holy Spirit said to me, he said, there's no such thing as long-distance healing. Now, I'm, I'm not, I know somebody's thinking about your favorite televangelist, and I don't want to hurt your feelings, okay? So God can heal somebody through a TV screen, amen. How many of you know? God can heal people through an online. What I'm talking about is not a miraculous healing. I'm talking about the kind of healing that God brings through your life. You don't, you, don't, you don't bring people into healing by standing at a distance from them and say, man, I'm sorry for what you're going through. I'll pray for you. You bring people healing, not long distance. You bring people healing. How many of you know that Jesus didn't send a telegram? Jesus showed up in person. Jesus said, here I am in the flesh. Let me enter into your life. And as I enter into your life, I'm going to bring the healing that you need. We need more and more wise fathers. How many of you know, you don't have to be, you know, as old as you think you've got to be. You can start embracing the wisdom of a seasoned follower of Jesus right now. You can start saying, how do I bring healing into people's lives and release it? How do I grow in my perspective? The other thing that fathers teach us, and I'll close with this. Fathers teach us is that I, I wrestled with, with how to say this, but they teach us how to go through bitter seasons without becoming bitter ourselves. If you, if you really talk to a, a season, you guys can come to the keyboard if you want to. If you really start talking to a, a seasoned person, and they'll tell you about some painful seasons of their life, but they'll tell you about some bitter seasons of their life, but 
they won't be transmitting that bitterness because they've learned the secret of transforming their pain. And you know what? We can't transform our pain without the power of the cross. See, the greatest pain transformer was Jesus. And Jesus got up on that cross and people inflicted pain on him. They inflicted rage on him. And Jesus responded to pain and rage with forgiveness and peace. And so the, the only way that we can do that is we have to learn how to be cross-shaped people who follow Jesus and say, man, if I go through something that was wrong, if I go through something that let me down, I'm going to take it to the cross. I'm going to take it to some wise voices in my life. And I'm going to let this thing be transformed because I don't want to pass on this pain. I want to give a testimony. I was reading, and, and in these times that we're in, I was reading a story that just so deeply uh, shaped my life, and I want to share this story, and, and Bishop's going to come, and I want Bishop just to speak as a father in our house uh, a word of release to people this morning as he, he's going to re receive the offering and conclude our service. But I was reading this story about a man named John Perkins who was a, a civil rights activist and leader. He's, he's still living today. But on February the 7th in 1970, he led a nonviolent march in protest of racial inequality in Mendenhall, Mississippi. And Jamie Goggins and Kyle Strobel tell this story. A group of students were uh, participating in the march and uh, they were on their way home and they encountered law enforcement they were arrested and taken to a police station. John Perkins was not in that group. He had led the march, but he was notified that this was happening. And rather than just take a safe drive home that he could have taken home, he knew his friends and people who had marched with him were in, in danger. Those were the times that they were living in and the place that they were living in. And so he rushed back to the police station. And uh, as he rushed back to the police station, of course, when he got there, because the, uh, the darkness and the violence that were so prevalent in that time and in those places, he was informed and uh, told to wait for a sheriff to arrive. And while he waited for a sheriff to arrive, about a dozen highway patrolmen and police officers came and arrested him and began to brutally beat him, kick him, stomp him into the ground. As he bled all over the floor, and then later was forced to clean up the blood uh, from the brutality along with his companions. Perkins, recalling the event years later, remarks about the men who attacked him. I want you to listen to the power of the cross. He said, as I was laying on the floor and I looked at the faces of the men who were attacking me and beating me, he said, I saw their faces and it looked like they were just twisted. It looked like they were distorted. And he said, I realized that it was hate that was twisting their faces. And he said, because I knew it was hate that was twisting their faces and making them behave the way that they were behaving, he said, I couldn't hate them back because I didn't want hate to do to me what it had done to them. And so he said, there was something inside of me because I'd given my life to Christ who said, John, if you just return hate for hate, then you'll become hateful like them. 
distorted like them. And he said, I didn't want that to happen to me. And listen, he said that night, in and out of consciousness, I prayed and I said, God, if you'll get me out of this prison cell alive, I want to preach a gospel. Watch this, that has the power to heal me and to heal those men too. Ladies and gentlemen, John Perkins is a wise spirit-formed father because he's been through suffering and he recognizes that he has a God who's able to work in the midst of suffering and bring healing out of the midst of it. Now, I'm not standing here telling you in any way, shape, form, or fashion that uh, I have any authority to speak like a John Perkins. But what I am telling you is that what I've learned as a young man is that those are the voices that I'm going to listen to. Gate Church, I want to tell you something about our pastor. I want to tell you some things about our pastor that you may not know. I know our pastor and the journey that he's been on for 40 plus years of ministry. I know the many stands that he's taken over and over that have cost him money, cost him popularity, cost him persecution, cost him ridicule, cost him rumors, cost him in a city in Florida that I've lived in and seen with my own eyes. But every time he would just absorb the wounds of persecution and say, you know what? I'm going to stand for the gospel. I'm going to stand for everybody. I don't care where they're from. I don't care what they look like. I'm treating everybody the same. We're going to be the kingdom of God. We're going to be a community of Jesus followers. And I don't care if it hair lips the mayor, the sheriff, the governor, the county, the city. I don't care who gets mad. We're going to do it the Jesus way. And I want to talk to you about people who can be voices in in our lives that can say something at a different level and it's only because they've lived through the pain that's required to embody a truth. Are you hearing me this morning, church? And so, you know, you may not have, I've been blessed with a relationship. You may not feel like you have a relationship with somebody, but here's what I prayed. I prayed that on this Pentecost series, as I talked about this, that the Holy Spirit would do something in your heart today that only He can do. And that is let you hear the voice of a Heavenly Father who's perfect. For every abandonment, for every betrayal, for every injustice, for everything that didn't go how you hoped it would go, I'm praying that today there'll be a resonance in your heart from the Holy Spirit of the voice of your Heavenly Father speaking a word of healing over you, speaking a word of restoration over you. If you're joining us online, Bishop's getting ready to come and pray and release a word. I want you to get ready to receive that word. There, Listen, I know by the Holy Spirit. There are people that feel abandoned. There are people that feel orphaned. There are people that feel let down. There are people that feel like authority has let them down. There are people that feel like church has left them. I'm prophesying to somebody. You feel like your pastor has let you down. I want you to know that God wants to come in a fresh way. God wants to come in the present tense. God wants to come and bring a word of healing to you today that only He can do.